This is episode 228, Getting Out of Your Head with Michelle. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you love the show, I would really greatly appreciate it if you'd head on over to iTunes, give it a rating, also take a little time to write a review. It doesn't have to be long, just a couple sentences. It really, really helps with the show's growth. I read all the reviews. I'm always very, very touched by them. Thank you to all of you who have written a review. And if you haven't, please head on over to iTunes and do so. Well, this is the last episode I'll be recording in Australia. When this episode airs, we'll be on a plane headed back to the US, which we're really looking forward to. Our time here was wonderful and we're really excited to be coming back to the US and March 1st, moving into our new home in Austin, Texas. Lots of change, lots of transition for both my husband and I in the past couple years. I was thinking back to the last time I was in Australia, which was April of 2018. It's currently January of 2020. And I had a fractured foot and a very lonely heart. And I had just moved out of my place in Encinitas and I was headed back to the US and didn't know where I was going to live. And it was just a month later that I got introduced to Steph and only two months after that, that we met. And now here I am, my foot's healed, I'm married and I'm moving again. (laughs) So life can change very, very quickly, sometimes in a way that's challenging, but often in a way that really changes your life for the positive. I did a post on this on Instagram. And if you aren't following me on Instagram, please do. It's where I'm most active in social media. But the post was about having hope and keeping faith and knowing that sometimes our dreams, whether it be a dream of relationship or finances or health or whatever our dream is, takes some time. And we often have to go through challenge to get to where we want to be. It's not necessarily a requirement, but I've seen with most human beings, we learn through contrast and often it takes breakdowns and challenges to learn the lessons and to grow and to have the healing that we need to get to the next level. And by next level, what I really mean is shifting our consciousness that we start attracting different things. It's not a better or worse than thing. It's not like levels of a video game. It's just different levels of awareness and integration. So If you were like me two years ago when you're dealing with just not knowing where you belong, a physical injury, really wondering when is your dream going to come true, just hang on because it's coming. I can't tell you exactly when, but just keep the faith that it's coming. I have a great episode for you today, especially for all of you who are somewhat like me and spend a lot of time in your head. It's a beautiful, beautiful call with Michelle, who is incredibly intelligent, very smart, has a lot of awareness, but 
that awareness and her thinking mind is blocking her from a deeper connection to spirit and to the essence of who she truly is. So as you're listening to this call, consider, are you somebody who really likes to know things? Like before you believe anything as a truth, you dig into all the evidence around it. You like certainty. You like to know how things work. Do you struggle with worthiness or feeling enough? Does some part of you believe that worthiness is based on what you can do or accomplish? And even the worthiness of others is based on what they can do or accomplish. Do you feel connected to God? Does satisfaction or fulfillment feel fleeting to you? So keep those questions in mind as you listen to my call with Michelle. Before we dive in, I want to thank my sponsor for this episode, which is Lola. Lola is a female-founded company offering a line of organic cotton, tampons, pads, liners, and all-natural cleansing wipes. Unlike other major brands, Lola products are 100% natural and they're easy to feel good about. No BS, mystery fibers, or doubts about what's going on in your body. Plus, Lola products come in a simple, customizable subscription. Lola will deliver exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. Now, that was super helpful to me with my travel. I didn't, I had to pack so many things and think about so much and just knowing I had my box of my cotton tampons that I could take with me, two boxes of the exact customizable things that I would need took a lot of hassle out of my packing. And it's something that I continue to do even when I'm not traveling because who wants to run to the drugstore at the last minute? Also, I love that Lola is 100% natural. There's nothing in there that's going to hurt my body in any way. I was listening to a podcast with a female educator and she was talking about how a lot of the tampons and pads that are filled with synthetics of any kind can actually disrupt our hormonal cycle. And when we transition to natural products, we can actually notice positive changes in our cycle. It really kind of irks me that the FDA doesn't require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients in their feminine care products. So most of them don't, but Lola offers complete transparency about the ingredients found in all of their products. Lola makes your month a little bit easier. Their subscription, like I said, is fully customizable. So you can choose your mix of products, mix of absorbency, number of boxes, and frequency of delivery. And I love Lola was founded by women for women. Lola products are 100% organic cotton with no added chemicals, fragrance, synthetics, or dyes. Lola now offers cleansing wipes that are safe to use on anywhere in the body. They are biodegradable, individually packaged, perfect for on the go and gynecologist approved and hypoallergenic. You also will do good with your purchase for every purchase. Lola donates feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S. Also, this is new everybody. Lola is now offering a starting trial beginning at $5. You can build your trial set. It includes six compact plastic applicator tampons with multiple absorbencies with either two liners or two wipes. It refills ships every four weeks after trial purchase and you're not charged when you first sign up and you can cancel any time. So here's your call to action for 30% off your first subscription. Visit mylola.com and enter over it when you subscribe. Again, go to mylola, M-Y-L-O-L-A.com and enter over it when you subscribe for 30% off your subscription. And now on to my coaching call with Michelle. Michelle, welcome to the show. How can I help? Thank you. So when I I was preparing for this conversation, 
I had four different issues that I was thinking about talking to you about. And then I really spent some time diving into them and found a common theme. And the theme was around worthiness and goodness and enoughness, specifically from a spiritual and philosophical perspective. Mm. So I feel like a lot of my struggles stem from the belief that worthiness is directly tied to actions, whether for myself or for others. And I understand the reasons why I think that. I understand the costs and the payoffs of that belief. And I've been trying to reframe it, but I haven't come up with a new idea that I find compelling enough to replace the old one. So I was looking Mm. for some guidance on that. Mm. You are very smart. Very, very, very smart. (laughs) (laughs) And very intelligent. And often what I notice is the smarter we are, the harder sometimes it is to connect to spirit because the mind really, really gets in the way. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Why do you want to feel worthy from a spiritual perspective? Why is this something that you're working on? Well, I think, you know, the costs are that it causes stress for me and in my relationships, whether it's because of times that I feel unworthy or I feel like my partner or people that I'm around or close to are not unworthy, but like not doing good enough or not the people aren't good enough or I'm not good enough. Those are things that I think. And I think that that's unhealthy for me personally, as well as for those people that I'm probably hurting through those beliefs. So I think there's that. And then there's also just that there's kind of a feeling of never really being satisfied or satisfaction or peace being fleeting. And I'm looking for that to be something that lasts a little longer in my life. Okay. And how spiritually connected do you feel? Well, I think that it's interesting when I was working on, I'm in the personal mastery course. And when I, I, I was just reviewing, you know, some of the sort of self-evaluation at the beginning, just in preparation for this call. And spirituality kind of jumped out at me as something that I identified as something that I feel like is okay, but that I don't really have a lot of structure around. So I I was raised in a religious house and I don't have necessarily hard feelings toward that, but I also don't necessarily subscribe to the beliefs I was raised in. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like I've been able to replace it with something that I'm really all in on. So I believe in God and I believe that I'm connected to you and to everyone listening and all of that. So I I believe kind of in that from a general perspective, but as I'm sure you can tell, I'm somebody who kind of likes rules to follow and guidance around, you know, what exactly that all looks like. And I don't feel like I have a source for that. Okay. And what religion were you raised in? Catholicism. And it was, it was a very kind of like liberal form. So it was all, it was less about, I mean, there was, you know, obviously some guilt stuff, but it was also, it was very sort of love-based, but also service-based and kind of doing good for others, which is probably partly where some of this comes from, like the whole actions equaling worthiness piece. Right. And then later there was a bit more, I had friends that were much more kind of conservative Christian, much more like evangelical style. And that I think probably was a bit more damaging for me just because that was much kind of harder than like the love route that I'd been raised with. So I kind of reject that second one more than the first one, but. Okay. And also just one other thing I'll I'll mention, Mm -hmm. I do not full-time, but I do teach yoga on the side. And so that's a space where I, when I was doing my teacher training and kind of involved in that community, I feel like that's when I was first kind of exposed between that and, and your podcast mainly or where I was kind of exposed to these ideas that worthiness doesn't necessarily have to be earned by your actions, but I kind of like that idea, but I just haven't been able to really like plug into it. Right. Well, and it's actually not an idea. It's truth. 
and you're looking for, so from speaking to you and just being connected to you, I would say that you're very mind dominant. Some people are emotion dominant. Some people are feel, you know, body dominant. Some people are mind dominant and some people are more spirit dominant. They have a hard time being in the physical world reality. Like there's a, there's a pattern called the leaving pattern, which people do very well, like as healers and in Reiki and in meditating and in nature, but they have a hard time being in physical world reality. You, I would say have more of a rigid pattern. I'm not calling you rigid. That's just the name of the patterns where it's all about like rules and structure and right or wrong and needing to know. And that's what makes you feel safe. Right. And that's okay. That's totally okay. But these things that you're talking about, like worthiness, for example, it's almost like, how do you measure love? Right. What makes something lovable? Yeah. And that was actually one of the things that, that was kind of related to one of the four points I was going to bring up up front is like, how do you, and, and that's something that I really struggle with. Like, how do I know boundaries of things like, okay, you know, I understand that I live a very privileged life. Should I be donating this much to charity or should I just give everything to charity? And, you know, like, how do you, how do you come up with those sort of like rules and structures? And I understand that's, that you got to find your own balance and you have to sort of determine it yourself. But I struggle with that. So let's go back a little bit and let's sort of look at why this pattern is here. Why do you think, because it sounds like you've done a lot of self-reflection, why do you think that that rules and structure and needing to know and having that logical basis is so important to you? Well, it's funny. Do you know Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies? Are you familiar with that? I don't, know. I just was learning about this and I basically do this quiz thing and, and she talks about internal and external expectations and has four different tendencies. Anyway, I did the little quiz and I was really surprised with the result, but the result was that I was a questioner and I guess I shouldn't be surprised because I always ask questions, whether it's in meetings or whether it was in school or mm-hmm. like in a work meeting, there could be a hundred people in the room and they ask, oh, does anybody have any questions? And then nobody has questions and they'll be like, Michelle, <laughs> do you have a question? <laughs> then I say, then I have a question. So I think that that that's probably a part of it is I just like reasons. I like rules. I, that's how I kind of make sense of the world and always have, I think. I think I was a ch- curious child. And I also, I didn't like rules. If I didn't think they made sense, then I rebelled against those rules. So I don't think I just like rules, but I think if everything makes sense to me and it's structured, then it allows me to go through life in a way where I almost don't have it, it. It's maybe it's almost like an efficiency thing. Like if I have rules that I live by, then I don't have to think about certain things because I just do them. And then that, I don't know, maybe frees up mental space to do other things. I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, so often the needing the rules and needing that kind of system and safety and structure comes down to not having total faith. So the more, because needing systems and structures, and and it's great to be curious. That's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful quality. But you're kind of taking curiosity a little far because it's not just that you want to know, you need to know in order to feel safe. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely true. And that's a big distinction. So whether you have always been like that as a child or whether something happened in early childhood where you didn't know something, you automatically felt unsafe for whatever reason. And so now like it's really important for you to know the rules and to know how things go. 
it doesn't matter. We don't need to dissect that right now. What I keep being led back to with you is this really is, for lack of a better word, a spiritual crisis. Let's not call it crisis. Let's say invitation. It's a spiritual invitation because the only way to really know worthiness is to feel God, like to feel that unconditional love and go, oh, oh my God, that's it. That's why so many people that do any kind of plant ceremony or any kind of things or even breath work where they transcend the mind and they get to that space of unconditional love, they're like, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. We're all worthy. We're all deserving. So you're trying to sort of get to Japan, like walking backwards versus just getting on a plane. You're not taking the most useful route to this. Right. It's like you're trying to figure out something with the mind that can't be figured out with the mind. Right. But then how do you do it? (laughs) (laughs) I know the famous question, but how, but how? Well, it's different for everyone, but for you, it's getting out of the head. And maybe, you know, in in yoga teaching and training, you got a little (laughs) glimpse of it there. For me, because I have a little bit of that rigid personality type too, like to know things, like to be in control, like to know the way things work, all those things. And it's getting less and less as I grow and evolve. But for me, how part of how I got there was actually just feeling my feelings, letting myself feel anger, even rage, sadness, shame, the things that I repress because one of my biggest coping strategies is just being in my head. I've never had really an addiction. I mean, I've been on antidepressants, but that was something that was at 11. I've never really had an addiction problem or food problem or you know, distracting myself with work or anything like that. My numbing device has just been thinking. Just if I think enough, then I don't have to feel. And so for me, getting into my feelings and allowing myself to have full-on versions of an adult temper tantrum and riding a wave of feelings and being quote unquote out of control on the emotional level. It's at the end of that, that usually I have a pretty big spiritual experience in that I feel empty enough for God to come in. And I'm just using the word God because it's an easy universal word. You, spirit, universe, whatever works for you. But it's always like, God in the form of unconditional love, wisdom, compassion is always around. But often we have a lot of defense strategies and coping mechanisms that block it. That's where that saying ego edging God out comes from. And it's not just the ego in terms of, you know, thinking we're so amazing or all those kinds of things. The the ego is in a lot of ways, the thinking mind. So what's coming up for you as I say this? Well, it's, it's interesting because that just that last thing that you said, ego is the thinking mind. The first thing that my mind jumps to is, well, what am I if not my thinking mind? Mm-hmm. You know, like I think that there, I definitely identify very strongly with my thoughts. And even the way that I, I talk, like it's interesting because I have been to therapy with my partner. And one, one thing that is hard for me to relate to with him is that it takes him a long time to sort of figure out what he's thinking and then say it. And I just get so impatient because I don't 
there's no time between what I think and what I say. It's just the same thing. So I feel like everything from what my thoughts are internally to what I express externally is my thoughts. And I guess I've always associated my thoughts with me. And so it's like, what else is there? I mean, I guess there's my physical body, but other than that, and I, I believe I have a soul, I guess, but I guess I didn't never really distinguish too much between my soul and my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And that my right there, my soul. Yes and no. Some insights do, but most thoughts come from more the ego and the the thinking mind, and just one part of our brain. Which is why things like meditation open up a different type of thought or insight. And so you asked a powerful question and I'm just going to reword it a little bit, but your spiritual invitation right now, your existential question is, who am I if I'm not my thinking mind? Mm -hmm. That's the question into this exploration. And so it's an invitation for you, Michelle, to be curious in a different way to be curious without needing an answer. Because can you see in your curiosity, you demand explanation? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's okay. That's what makes you feel safe. But when we only think control and our mind and our knowledge keeps us safe, then we definitely are missing out on really experiencing ourselves as spiritual beings having a human experience. I too strove for accomplishment and really defined my self-worth by what I could achieve, who I was with, how I looked from the outside, all those kinds of things. And it wasn't until I started to have direct experiences with what I would call God that I really got, oh, wow, like I don't have to do anything to be loved. Mm-hmm. It's sort of with, do you have a dog? No. Would you be open to getting one? Oh, no. Too much responsibility. (laughs) Too much hair. (laughs) You could get one that didn't shed. Why do you think I am suggesting that? Because they love you unconditionally. Well, yes. And it's a mirror for you to see what unconditional love looks like. And this might be the time in your life where you say a prayer, set an intention and say, okay, I realize I'm in my head. I think I want to get out of it. I'm not too sure. It seems pretty scary because this is my comfort zone. But if there's a safe and loving way for me to start having more experiences of what God is, I'm open to it for the highest good of all concerned. Mm -hmm. And you never know what teacher, what ceremony, what retreat might come into your awareness in terms of the things that could help you begin to explore this. Okay. That, that makes sense because I think, you know, especially growing up, going to church every Sunday, it's like, if there was a church of this thing that you're talking about that I could go to every Sunday and like learn the stuff and practice the practices and like immerse myself and have a community, I feel like that would be really helpful, but I don't feel like that I don't know where I would go for that. But as you said, maybe if I, you know, put that intention out there and really kind of seek it, you know, there might not just be, you know, one single answer of, yeah, go here, but Mm -hmm. I might be able to 
you know, try something that I might not have otherwise tried and eventually find answers through that. Yeah. yeah. Where do you live? Chicago. Okay. I have ideas, but I'm actually not going to tell you because I just keep getting that this has to be a self-exploration thing, not somebody telling mm-hmm. you. And with that intention, like if you sort of give God and the universe permission to start to intervene mm-hmm. <laughs> and send you some clear messages or invitations, like you might get invited to something that you see, think is really, seems really crazy or feels a little scary. I want you just to check in and go, all right, like, is this in my highest good to go? And I know for me, there's been several things, whether it be a plant medicine ceremony or working with a specific teacher or going to do a specific retreat or whatever it is. And it's come into my field and I've been like, oh no, I don't want to do that. But on a deep level, I knew it was for me. Yeah. Well, I don't think I really have an aversion to doing it. I think I just I haven't been seeking it to your point. And I think yeah. this conversation is really interesting because, because this is, I guess, my way of seeking it. And this is the way of God and the universe answering and starting that path, which is pretty exactly. cool. Yes, exactly. So just remember that God comes through people as well. We have all kinds mm-hmm. of messengers in our life. And just in the meantime, I would just encourage you to adopt some kind of spiritual practice, whatever that is for you. It can be going out and connecting with nature. It could be opening your mind and your heart to the possibility of having a little dog in your life. It could be whatever. It doesn't matter. But just something that is a daily practice of consciously intending to get out of your head. It could be movement, like yoga is really great. But before you do yoga, really set that intention of like, it's safe for me to be out of my head. It's safe for me to be in my body and be in my feelings. And you know, when I set that intention in my yoga practice years ago, sometimes I just start crying in yoga class. I didn't even know why, but it was in that moment I gave myself permission to be out of my head. And as you start to experience again yourself more and more as a spiritual being, having a human experience, and you really start to feel into your soul essence and you feel into the magnificence that you are, the good enough and worthiness piece will just fade. Mm-hmm. because you'll just have more love. You're a little more in judgment and analysis than love. Yeah. And a lot of times that's what certain religious institutions, sometimes specifically Catholic, I grew up that way too. And I believe there are beautiful Catholics and beautiful priests and beautiful teachings of the religion. And sometimes there's that layer of good, bad, right, or wrong. Mm-hmm. that then makes us makes it difficult to believe we're all worthy because <laughs> it's like, right. well, wait, you have to do this, this, and this to be loved by God. Right. Not true. So instead, right. of, <laughs> instead of figuring out, you got to feel this one out. Yeah. Does yeah, this answer? It feels like, um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it does. I think it, it, it makes sense. I think especially with it being an area that, I think I've had dormant for a little while. And I think in some ways, maybe it needed to be dormant for a little while to heal some wounds that I think were previously associated with my prior spiritual experience. But now I feel like maybe I'm ready. And absolutely, I think the scary thing is, I don't know what that looks like, but that's 
part of the process. Yeah. See, part of the process is not having this all planned out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't love and that part, but that's the I point. Know. <laughs> I know. And a little bit of surrender. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of surrender. And with everyone in your life, because I know that was something you mentioned. Yeah. So from start looking at them with more of your spiritual lens than your good, bad, right, wrong lens. Yeah. So because you hold yourself to a high standard and because you evaluate yourself a lot and what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, it's natural that you're going to project that on others a bit. Right. Definitely. And so the more that you can see yourself through the lens of self-acceptance and self-compassion and not good, bad, right, or wrong, Mm -hmm. the more that you will start to see others that way. Just notice yeah. when, when you start judging yourself. Yeah. It's interesting. One of the things in the yoga teacher training, when we were learning what namaste meant and just kind of different interpretations of it, one that I remember, which was, I forget who said it, but it was somebody, it was a Native American from history. And, and the phrase was, I salute the light within your eyes in which the whole world dwells when you are in that place in you and I am in that place in me, we are one. And I remembered that because I thought it was beautiful. And actually even just getting ready for this conversation, you know, I was a little just kind of nervous and wound up. And so I, I said that a couple of times thinking about beautiful you and thinking about the listeners and thinking about me. And I think that it that that you're talking about that I need to access when I'm thinking about others definitely. And and there's probably a way to apply that to myself too. 1000%. Absolutely. That's a beautiful mantra. And that we are one, knowing that it takes the enoughness conversation just off the table. Mm, That's interesting. Yeah. You're on your way. You're on your way. And this conversation is just a reflection of your intention. And this conversation was, your soul was very active in this conversation. I'll just put it that way. Part of Mm. what got you on the call with me today is your soul's yearning to feel at home again. Mm -hmm. And our souls feel more at home when we're in that place of love and acceptance and knowing that we are whole, complete and worthy no matter what. Because the more we see ourselves that way, the more we see the whole world that way. And that's what souls on this planet are trying to evolve us back to, Hmm. is to that place of unconditional love. That's why dogs are such good teachers (laughs) and why a lot of people say that, you know, if you incarnate as a dog, you're on your last lifetime. (laughs) That's really funny. I never heard that. (laughs) What were you going to ask? No, I mean, I think it's just, as I think about what I was going to say, it's coming from my mind space and arguing about unconditional love. But I think that's probably kind of what you were saying, like ego jumping back in and trying to make all the like logical, rational arguments. Yeah. Now, unconditional love doesn't mean we tolerate shitty behavior. Mm -hmm. Unconditional love means that we know everybody is lovable and worthy. But on the human level, it doesn't mean, you know, just because we are one and you're also a child of God, I'm going to tolerate you having, you know, you violating my boundaries or treating me with disrespect or being in toxic situations. Right. But even in that, it's like 
as we get more spiritually advanced, we're able to see. So for example, let's say someone wronged me. I'd have my human upset. I'd have to process my human feelings, my anger, my sadness, whatever it is. And there'd probably be a lot of judgment in that. But eventually I'd get to a place of forgiveness because forgiveness frees me. And I'd realize that that human was doing the best they could, even if I don't think so. They weren't doing the best they could according to how I would have done something. But in that moment, they were doing the best they could. And their soul is learning whatever it needs to learn. And I forgive them so I can free myself. And the essence of them, the soul of them, not the human doing what the human's doing, I can still love. So unconditional love is a big part of forgiveness as well. Again, it doesn't mean we condone something and it doesn't mean we tolerate it. You know, we're still in human form. We're still in a world of contrast. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that we become weak and have no boundaries, but it just means we look at things through a different lens. Yeah. Make sense? Okay. Yeah. There's a lot to think about here. So thank you. (laughs) There's a lot to feel into. That's true. What I would suggest doing is maybe re-listening to this recording with your eyes closed and then dropping into just a meditation with maybe some binaural beats, like some theta waves and just like allow yourself not to think about it, but just to feel it. So when you're re-listening to it, close your eyes and notice what you're feeling. Notice, okay, my chest is tightening. My belly's a little butterfly. You know, I'm kind of angry here. I kind of want to cry here. Just that's what I would encourage you to focus on because you're not going to get to where you want to go through thinking. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So I really, really thank Michelle because I think a lot of you out there can relate to what she's going through. And one of the things that I said immediately after she asked her question is, wow, you are so smart. She had her questions organized. She had her thoughts organized. She didn't ramble at all. It doesn't mean if you ramble, sometimes you're not smart. I could just tell she had a very intellectual approach to what was actually a more spiritual question. And we can't answer spiritual questions with the mind. That's just the nature of a spiritual question. It can't be answered through the intellect. And I have found that sometimes the smarter you are, the more you're in your head, the often harder it is to meditate, to find connections to spirit, and to really drop into your heart. Doesn't mean it's not possible. It just means when we have a strong mind, it likes to grip on to thinking and control with a bit of a tighter grip. And even Michelle said, you know, she was thinking about spirituality and thinking about enoughness and how we are all one. But she said, I haven't found a new idea that I find compelling enough to replace the old one. And the old belief she was trying to replace is that worth or enoughness or deservingness is based on what you do and what you can accomplish. And the truth is that she's not going to necessarily find an idea by thinking about it. Like I said, the smarter we are, the harder it is to connect to spirit because the mind gets in the way. We think and think and think and try to figure it out. But how do you figure out a truth, right? You can figure out a puzzle. You can figure out a math problem. You can figure out how to build something, but you can't figure out enoughness. 
You can't figure out oneness. It's like you can't figure out love. There's no mathematical equation to unconditional love. You just feel it. How do you know when you love somebody? It's not through a structured formula or collection of evidence. It's a feeling. And so is enoughness and oneness. And we feel that when we connect to God. And I say this a lot. I'm using the word God. If that word doesn't work for you, put in whatever word works. It could be nature. It could be universe. It could be spirit. To me, God isn't a man in the sky, you know, with, with a beard looking down on us saying, you're good, you're not. God to me is unconditional love and truth. It encompasses that all-knowing universal presence of love and oneness. So let's break down this coaching call a little more. So one thing that Michelle said is that this evaluation of herself and others causes stress in a relationship because either she feels not good enough or judges them as not doing or being enough. And that's one of the ways we keep ourselves safe. We keep ourselves safe from not getting hurt by making sure we're good enough and by evaluating other people to make sure they're doing what we want them to do. And often when we have a strong thinking mind, it's actually hard to access true unconditional love, which is why I wanted her to get a dog because I think dogs are beautiful teachers of what unconditional love is. Because Michelle said that she's not really feeling satisfied. Something will happen and the satisfaction or fulfillment will be very fleeting for her. And that's what happens. That to me is a bit of a spiritual crisis. Because when we're in that go, 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 chase, 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 or just I do this and I, then I do this and then I do this and then I'll be worthy, it's a bucket with holes. There's no end to that. You'll accomplish one thing and then it'll be what's the next thing. And it isn't until we have an experience of God, of really knowing that we are whole and complete and deserving no matter what, that we start to unravel that addiction to doing And we start to deconstruct the belief that I'm good if fill in the blank. And I talked to Michelle about how for me, often this journey into feeling that oneness and feeling more connection to God wasn't through some spiritual epiphany I had in the meditation class or even through a plant medicine journey, although those have been helpful. One of the things that has connected me to God the most is feeling my deepest feelings. So after I've done the temper tantrum technique, which I teach in Expectation Hangover, my mastery course, in which those of you that are coming to my spring retreat, by the way, we have a few spots left, I do a mass temper tantrum (laughs) release with everybody that will clear you of emotions that you've been holding on to for years, decades, maybe even lifetimes. But I notice after I do that for myself and when I guide people through this process as well, I get to a place where I slip into oneness and unconditional love and I feel God. And it's because I have gotten out a lot of what's in the way because the thinking mind, what the thinking mind is really good at is suppressing emotions. So when we get those emotions out of the way and the thinking mind has less to do, that's often where we find God. So something else that Michelle said is spirituality is something I don't have a lot of structure around. I kind of like the idea of worthiness not being determined by action. She tasted that in her yoga studies, but she's having trouble finding quote unquote structure around it. But again, how can you put structure around something that doesn't really have form? 
And so I really guided her because she's mind dominant and has more of that rigid personality pattern. It makes her feel safe. It's not a criticism at all. I really guided her to put the call out there for the experience, the workshop, the medicine, something that will start to open this up. And like I said, it's not like you have a spiritual experience and then boom, you know, we're all good enough. All your patterns of thinking you have to do in order to be worthy dissolve. Sometimes it's most often, it's not like an overnight immediate thing. Maybe sometimes it can be, but for most of us, it's a gradual process and having that reference point of a spiritual experience really, really helps you because what I was telling Michelle is that she can't get what she is craving through the mind. She's got a baseline belief in God and connection, but since her comfort zone likes rules and guidance to follow, she's stuck in a lot of questions and she wants to find the most efficient route. But like I said, that's not the easiest way to get there. It's often the messiest route that gets us there. So some takeaways for you. Definitely listen to last week's episode about breaking up with religion, because I think that ties into some of the things we touched on with Michelle about some old beliefs. Also my personal mastery course that I mentioned then and that Michelle is in, have a look at that. It's christinehasler.com slash mastery. That's where I really guide you through how to work with a lot of these emotions and changing a lot of these beliefs and helping you get to the spiritual level as well. We also added a new module, a health module, where I talk about health and well-being and taking care of your physical body. And Steph has about five breathwork sessions, exercises that he takes you through as well. So check out christinehasler.com slash mastery. And finally, put out the call to have a spiritual experience for your highest good with grace and ease to bring in the workshop, the teacher, the ceremony, whatever it may be, to help you have that experience of God so that you can touch upon that unconditional love and feeling of oneness and know without a shadow of a doubt that you are good enough. Sending you so much love and many blessings. Until next time, everyone. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe in iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. Mm-hmm.